Hey, Coach Arlen here. What do Walt Disney, Andrew Carnegie, Benjamin Franklin, Thomas Edison, and FDR all have in common? They shared one secret that propelled them to achieve remarkable success. They each belonged to a mastermind group. If you've never experienced the power of a mastermind group, now is your opportunity. Join my business success mastermind group today. New cohorts are starting soon. To learn more, go to ib4e-coaching.com forward slash mastermind. Encourage to lead episode 220. You're listening to the IB4E Coaching Podcast. Brought to you by IB4E Coaching. Business coaching for executives, entrepreneurs, and small business professionals. Learn more at ib4e-coaching.com. Hey, Coach Harlan here. Welcome back to the podcast. Hope you guys are having an exceptional week. I'm having a great week and I'm excited to introduce you to my guest today. Please help me welcome Ken Rusk. Ken Rusk is a best-selling author, entrepreneur, and blue-collar advocate, uh, showing that there's no degree required for comfort, peace, and freedom. Ken spent his younger years digging ditches and working in construction. He never went to college. Instead, he set goals, planned, and worked hard for 30 years. And now, Ken is a very successful entrepreneur, with multiple businesses and av- revenue streams. Uh, Ken Rusk is, specializes in mentoring and has coached hundreds of young people in areas such as short, mid, and long-term goal setting, life visualization, career paths, and sound financial planning. He's passionate about helping people achieve their dreams regardless of their educational background or their past. Ken, welcome to the program. Hey, thanks, Harlan. I appreciate you having me. Yeah, no, this is great. I, this is a topic that I love to talk about, how we kind of bottleneck our students, kind of force them into the corner that you must go and get this high ticket college education or else you won't be successful. And that's just not the case, right? Well, you know, there's 167 million people in the United States today considered full employment, right? And um, about 77 million of those people, according to the Bureau of Labor Statistics, which I actually looked up, about, about 77 million people actually do something with their hands. So, um, you know, by the time you put your feet on the floor getting out of bed in the morning to the time you make it to your office or to church or school or wherever, you cross thousands of blue-collar jobs that are still not only in, in very viable, but they're also very lucrative, especially in this day and age. Absolutely. Absolutely. All right, I want to come back and talk about all of that stuff, um, how you got your start, some of the things that you do helping young people and entrepreneurs uh, build their careers and everything like that. But before we get started, I've got some questions that I like to ask each one of my guests. Now, listeners know that these are the questions made famous on the TV show Inside the Actor's Studio, where the host James Lipton asks these same questions of his Hollywood guests from TV, film, and stage. And I figure if they're good enough for the Hollywood elite, they're certainly good enough for my guests. So, Ken, if you're ready, 10 questions for you, sir. Let's do it. All right. Question number one, what is your favorite word? Spontaneous. Nice. What is your least favorite word? Details. Okay. <laughs> what turns you on? Um, I would have to say waking up on a beautiful day to a tea time. And I'm assuming you mean some type of sport. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think the rest of it will just... Uh... Understand. Understand. Yeah. All right. So what turns you off? I would say uh, drama. Mm, Absolutely. What sound or noise do you love? Uh, The engines on my boat starting, I would guess. Nice. All right. What sound or noise do you hate? Uh, 
alarms. <laughs> yep. Of any kind. <laughs> of any kind. Of all kinds. All right. What is your favorite curse word? I would have to say remind it it, it um it, it sounds like pit. Okay. <laughs> all right. What profession other than your own would you like to attempt? Race car driver. Nice. Very cool. Why not boat racing? Well, because I have um I have like a collection of cars that I have as oh. well. So I like to race them a okay. lot. So I wish I could have been a professional race car driver, I nice. guess. That would be awesome. All right. What profession would you not like to do? Bull riding. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Good job. All right. Final question. If heaven exists, what would you like to hear God say when you arrive at the pearly gates? Well, first off, welcome. We're glad you're here. Um, but I, I would, I guess I would want him to say, you know what, you did a good job on earth when you were there and, and we really appreciate that. We'll use your gifts up here now. Nice. Awesome. Very cool. All right, Ken, we're going to take a short break, but then when we come back, we're going to talk about how you got your start, um, the businesses that you've created, right, over the years, how you're now working and helping people uh, choose their careers and find their path, um, and at some point transition into courage and leadership, right? Great. Cool. Let's do all it. Right. Listeners, we're going to talk about all that and more right after this. So stick with us. Imagine having a trusted group of CEOs at your disposal. Imagine having your very own peer advisory team who could work you through the problems and questions in your business before you had to make those difficult decisions. Imagine you had a group of advisors that had your back and met for the sole purpose of making you successful in your business. What would you be able to accomplish then? Well, you don't have to imagine anymore. You can have that and more when you join my Business Success Mastermind Group. Join my Business Success Mastermind Group today. Learn more at ib4e-coaching.com forward slash mastermind. And I'm back with my guest, Ken Russ. Ken, thanks again for agreeing to be on the podcast. It's good to have you here. So you started out digging ditches and working construction. Was that a family business or were you working for other people at the time? No, so my, my high school... Shared a the property of my high school shared a fence with an industrial park. And after school, when I was 15, my buddies and I, we would cut through this hole in the fence and walk through this industrial park to get to the carryout where we hung out after school, you know, just to do see each other and see what, how our days were like. And I just remember walking through this industrial park and there was all these businesses that were thriving. You know, there was people milling around and there was trucks and equipment and, you know, things that a young guy would be interested in, you know, Tonka trucks on steroids, right? So I remember that uh, I knew somebody that worked there. And so I went in and inquired about what they did. And uh, they said, well, we basically fix wet basements. We're ditch diggers. And I said, okay, well, I can do that. So, I mean, I needed money for my first used car or, you know, maybe gas or, you know, maybe money to take my girlfriend out for pizza or whatever. So, you know, it was a good thing. And that, so I started doing that in the summer times. And in the winter times, I would work in the office because I was still in high school. So I kind of got a good feeling for the front and back of how this company worked. And I spent three years doing that. And um, then it came the time where I either needed to go to college or I needed to do you know, something else. And um, the opportunity came up because our company had been growing so quickly that we couldn't possibly reach all these folks you know, two hours, three hours away. So we started open franchises or satellite offices and, and they wanted me to kind of lead that. And um, I spent the next four years opening companies they are all around the Midwest where I would literally, you know, build a company from scratch on somebody else's dime, which was really, really fun and <laughs> strange and stressful and awesome at the same time. 
And then when I was done with that, it was I was tired of living out of a suitcase because you're traveling all the time. So we, we moved to Northwest Ohio and uh, we opened our own franchise there. So I was you know working for myself with my brother and uh, it was great. And we started with six people and I think we have nearly 200 today. And wow. so here we are. Wow. Very cool. And why construction? Why, why stick in that industry? Is that just what appealed to you or did you see the, the magic? You know, I, I, I wouldn't have framed this at the time, but looking back, it's because, you know, I could control my input, which means I could control my output. I could control the quality of that output. I could control my pace, my day, my time, my scheduling, and I could also control my financial gain. And, and, I, I, and therefore, I can control the picture of my life that I wanted to build. And I don't think you can do that as well in an office setting where you're on the 15th floor in some cubicle. I just don't think you can. And, you know, for some people, the security blanket of a big corporation is great. And then go for it. Do it. I mean, we, we need all those services. Right. But for me, I needed to be outside where I can stand back at the end of the day and say, I created that. I built that. That will stand the test of time. And um, yeah, I, I'm still yeah. doing it to this day. That's awesome. Yeah, the anonymity, I guess you get working for a big company like that. Somebody else making the decision, somebody else sticking their neck out, taking all the, the risk and stress. And you basically show up and do what's expected. Most people. <laughs> and then, yeah. they home, you know, yeah. Yeah. So I, you know, I've built a lot of things. I've built buildings and I've built houses and I've, uh, I have a landscape, beautiful you know, uh, houses over the year. I've done lots of different things and I can still drive by all those things now and see them there. Yeah. And um, it's just a pretty cool feeling. In, in the construction industry, I, I coined the term the stand back moment. And what that really means is you get to stand back at the end of the day, lean on your shovel, look back at what you've done and say, wow, that's beautiful. Look what I created. And so for me, it was it was just all about about that piece, about having knowing that you can do something with your own two hands and see it and um and have somebody enjoy it for a long time absolutely yeah and i know working corporate you, you come home exhausted and you can't really think of anything you accomplished that day right <laughs> it's nice well, there's to, be able a, to sit back and see what you've done yeah and if companies are smart they will they will do some form of integration where they they show you how you fit in the bigger piece of the, of the puzzle they show you how you as a small piece fit in the bigger picture because then you have a sense of A to Z or beginning to end or a full circle. Without that, again, you kind of just push in keys. And that to me just, it just wasn't for me. Yeah, absolutely. And so now you work with uh, younger folks or is it younger folks mainly, or do you work with other people that are just maybe starting out in their career or, or looking to change their careers? Yeah, it's, it's all the above. And, and I have to tell you that, you know, when you run a company of that many people, you know, you're hiring a lot of people, maybe it's their first, second or third job, and you're having to help them a lot of times. You know, I, I say this because I became an almost involuntary life coach, okay? <laughs> I mean, Harlan, I have no letters after my name. I have no college degree. I have no formal training at all. Um, and, and, you know, sometimes I wonder if I'm, <laughs> what, I, what I'm even doing doing this, but I love it. And, um, you, you, you tend to help people out with their first car, their first, you know, their first mortgage, their first, you know, getting their driver's license straightened out, their first credit card, the first apartment or checking account, whatever. And um, you become this coach and you become this visual coach and you become this futuristic, you know, predictive coach. And 
And it's just a lot of fun and to see people thrive in that environment because once they realize, man, I, I can get what I want for myself with and through this company yeah. that you run, it, 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 it's awesome and it bleeds into their futures and everything that they see for themselves. And at the same time, I do it with other people as well. So it's just been, it's really been rewarding. Nice. And your website, I love your website, by the way. Um, you've got a section on there, why blue collar? And I think talking with people, a lot of them, they they don't think much about blue collar. They think the big corporate job. So they have to go to college and get a college degree in order to get the corporate job. But that's, like I said, that's that may not be the best option for, for a lot of people. Well, you know, there's a there's a long answer to this question, but in the, in the 80s, they started taking shop class out of high schools. Yeah. They started removing that. And that was a place where you could almost accidentally discover how cool it was to be a carpenter, a plumber, electrician, a hairdresser, a cook, or, you know, a whatever. Yeah. And you could walk down the hallway in my high school and see someone changing a transmission. You could see somebody welding something, somebody building a barn, or you could see someone doing hair or nails or cooking something, whatever. And, and I didn't have a fancy high school either. I mean, we were not fancy at all. But we, you know, we, we would accidentally discover how cool it was to be in some of these trades. Well, they took those, those machines out and they filled those rooms with computers. And, you know, I'm all for computers, right? We had to learn them, but why did it have to be both? Or why, why couldn't it have been both? Why did it have to be one or the other? So you pair up that, that occurrence with... You know, now people, instead of going out in the backyard when you're young and building a tree fort with lumber and, you know, hammer and nails and that kind of stuff, you know, they're building Minecraft on their cell phones, right? Yeah. And, and that is just not the same experience, Harlan, you know that. Absolutely. So if, if you combine those two things with the fact that colleges are really, really, really good at shaming parents and teachers and guidance counselors into corralling their kids into college as though it's college or else, you, you, you have a real recipe for a disaster. And that's why I call it in Blue Collar Cash, the book I wrote, I call it a Blue Collar Crisis because it really is. However, there's a silver lining in everything, right? For, for those who are willing to think, you know, on the other side of the scale, well, if everyone's going to college, maybe I should go the other way. Maybe I should be a contrarian you're going to take advantage of a supply and demand issue that's happening right now and will be around for the foreseeable future yeah. because things aren't changing and you're going to be able to make a fortune and they're doing it now mm -hmm. in blue collar trades. And, you know, supply and demand is a funny thing where supply is low and demand is high. That's where the money goes. And so think, think along those lines and you're going to do really well for yourself. Absolutely. Yeah. And I really think the schools are doing a disservice by not talking about, the skill traits more. I remember when I was in school, I, I had an auto shop class. I had a print class. I had a, a welding and, and forging, you know, metal shop class, all those things. It, it, if I didn't carry on with those, at least it gave me appreciation for what went into the things that I had, right? You really understand yeah. how the stuff goes together. And I think that that well-rounded along with the education, I think is important. Well, first off, I, I'm not an anti-college guy. And I always have to make sure that I point that out. I mean, sure. if you're going to operate on my shoulders so I can get back on the golf course, okay? I want you to know everything there is to know about a knife before you pick it up and come <laughs> at me with it, right? Same thing goes for being a teacher or an architect or an engineer or whatever, financial person. 
you need to know those skills. But the thing is, is there's a specific job waiting for you after you learn a specific skill. What, what I'm kind of against is this shotgun approach to, well, let's just give everyone a bland liberal arts degree or a bland business degree. And then, you know, they'll have a hundred grand in debt when they come out and they'll have to look for a job and hope they find one and then hope they can pay all this stuff off. Okay. Meanwhile, you know, I would challenge any high school today to have their kids go out and try to change a tire yeah. versus having us all knowing how to do that when we were in high school, right? And, it, and it's just one of those things where I think the pendulum has swung so far to one way, it's, ca it's causing this imbalance yep. and um, between teachers and parents and, and um, you know, mentors at large. I think we need to pull that back a little bit and say, whoa, 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 wait a minute. You know, you can make six figures all day long in, in, in a, a blue collar job working for yourself and enjoying your life and the satisfaction that comes with it. So before you get into that big debt mode, you at least need to think about that and give it a little consideration. Absolutely. Absolutely. And clients that, that I'm working with, I work with a lot of the skilled trades um, as, as coaching clients, they are struggling finding uh, good employees right now. Are you seeing that too um, in your, in your industries? Well, you know, do we feel it? Yeah. Do we experience it? Not as much. And only because in our business, I mean, we're using jackhammers and mixing concrete and we're, you know, it's, it's a dirty, dusty, hard job. So for the last 30 years, we've had to create an amazing culture within our company mm -hmm. to attract people and keep them there. And, um, that was back when workers were plentiful. I mean, you can put an ad in the paper and the next day there'd be 15 people sitting in your foyer. You know what I mean? Yes. Well, that's not true anymore. There's, there's three people maybe. And um, you have to really foster or explain that culture because in the old days it was, hey, I really need a job. Now it's, well, what's in it for me to work here? Okay. And, and you can either embrace that, you know, that you could call it overly confident attitude. <laughs> There's other words for it, but you can embrace that and, and say, well, if I can answer that question, I'm going to have somebody. Because again, I'll go back to what I said earlier. If, if somebody truly believes, and I've said this a million times, I can't get what I want for myself, nor can my company get what it wants and needs until all of you get what you want first. I mean, this is a linear scenario, right? Input, output. And that's why I say, you know, it, it's really important to be thinking about your culture because you're going to get passed by, especially in this competitive environment we're in now. Yeah. So what does your culture look like? Because that's something we talk about a lot on this is the culture. If you have a culture where people want to work for you, it's a lot easier to draw those people in, right? And get them engaged and stuff. What does your culture look like? Well, the easy ones to knock down are music, color, um, uh, acknowledgements, um, training, testing. I mean, all that stuff, you know, birthdays and celebrations and bonuses and, you know, um, we have a personal chef that drives around to our job sites cooking cheeseburgers for our crews. I mean, uh, nice. uh, you knock those things out easy. Those are the easy ones. The more difficult ones are where you sit down with each individual and you say, why are you here? Okay. And you got to get past the first six answers. Why are you here? Because I need a job. A job for what? A job for money. A job for what? pay my bills. Okay. Let's get beyond all that. It, 
what would you do if you had an extra two, three, four, five thousand, ten thousand? I mean, what would you do with it, right? So we actually get out like poster board and crayons, and we have them draw what they want their life to look like. Like, nice. what would my favorite car be? What would my house look like if I could do it? What would be? Um, would I live in the city? Would I live in the suburbs? It would. What would be my my health moment? What would be my hobby or my sport? Draw all this out. What would my pet look like? Dog or cat? And what color? What would you name it? Yeah. What would my vacations look like? What would my charity give back moment look like? You, you, you lay all this stuff out in a big puzzle and then help them get it one piece at a time in a very public way, in a very sharing way. That is really, in my, in my mind, the most important factor because if they believe that you care about them first, yep. and we do, it allows them to be selfish, and I don't mean selfish at the detriment of others, right. but focusing on self, right. almost like I'm going to focus on me first and the company second. Mm-hmm. Your company will go so much further than you could ever take it yourself because they tend to look at you and say, thanks for the training and, and all the opportunity and the culture. Now get out of my way and let me go do it. Yeah. And um, that's where you know you got something. That's awesome. Yeah, I read somewhere, uh, if you, I forget who said it, if if you take care of your employees, your employees will take care of your customers, your customers will take care of your business, and your business will take care of you, right? For sure. Life cycle. One, 100% nice. true. Nice. So uh, as a as new entrepreneur, when you first started out, what was the hardest lesson you had to learn? I think the hardest lesson was, you know, you, you tend to want to do it all. I mean, you, you want to, you, I, I say it like this. So if you go home and your husband or wife says to you, how was your day? And you look back at them and say, I fixed this. I answered this. I told them this. I I changed this. I rectified that. um, I overcame this. I'm not so sure you had a good day, okay? Because that means you're doing way too much, right? Um, I, I look at it when you're trying to run your own company, I think the one thing that you have to have as a goal is to make yourself, and this is controversial, I think you need to make yourself irrelevant yes. to your company. And, mm-hmm. and, and, and the reason I say that is because if you're irrelevant, you can plug yourself in wherever you want to go. You can, you can move this, touch, you can do whatever you want to do. And, and, and mostly that is thinking about driving the future. Mm-hmm. And where could we go and how can we make this bigger and better? You know, being the visionary versus the mechan- the actual mechanical person. So I, I think that's that would be my the hard the hardest lesson because a lot of people out there, when they hear that, they're like, whoa, whoa, whoa. You know, I'm the boss, I'm the owner, you know, I'm I'm the guy who or, or girl who makes all the magic. Well, no, you you gotta you gotta replace that because when you do those 70 hour weeks are going to be more like 50, although you'll still be thinking about it for 70 or maybe a hundred, but you'll at least be able to enjoy the reason that you open your own business to begin with, which is to have some of the freedom of time and freedom of financial and all those other things. Absolutely. Yeah. We used to tell people, if you can't be replaced, you can't be promoted. Right. That's good. I might steal that from you. I like that one. (laughs) Replaceable, especially when you're an entrepreneur, you're starting, you're creating a business. Yes. You do everything at the beginning, but then hire people, train them up and hand it over to them. Give them the, the, all the knowledge they need, the authority they need, right. To, to make the decisions and do it. And that gets it off your plate. You can then, like I said, raise up to that visionary level and drive the company, but let them do that. Well, yeah. And, and the other thing is what you have to remember is what I said earlier about 
this new effort will drive your company way further than you could drive it yourself. So be willing and ready to share that revenue with the people that help you build it because you can't spend money that you don't have, okay? So, you know, people say, well, that's an expensive proposition. No, it's not because you're spending the new money that you don't even have yet, okay? And if you don't get the new money, then there isn't this program. So it's a simple incentive, right? And um, that's what I love about it is your, your, your team will look at you and go, well, where can we go now? I mean, how high can we take this thing? Exactly. Exactly. Very cool. So what do you look for in a leader? Uh, I, first off is, is what do they want for themselves? And, and we, we, you know, we, we talk a lot about that. You know, if I have someone who has a clear vision for their future, they're going to help me find other people to help create a clear vision for their future. And I just think you can't have enough, you know, Tom Galassano, um, I, I think he coined the phrase entrepreneurial employee, which now has changed to intrapreneurs. Mm-hmm. I look for somebody who wants to run their department like it's their own company. Nice. And they want, you know, they, they're worried about the expenses and they're worried about the sales and the revenue and all that kind of stuff. You know, I always say that, you know, in order to be a successful company, you can either spend more or spend less or sell more. God forbid you do both, right? right? So someone who can take control and say, okay, Ken, I got this. I have a very clear vision of my future. So let me run this department or division and, and I'll bring it home for you. Nice. And then um, how many employees do you say you have working for you now? We're almost 200 now. Wow. Very cool. So if I was to bump into any one of those and ask them what type of leader you are, what would they tell me? What kind of leader are you? I would hope that they would say, he really cares about where I'm going. And, and that's important to me because I have choices. I mean, there's a lot of people that need help right now, right? So there's a lot of competition out there. But, but Ken really, he, he, he loves to work hard, play hard, and he's really interested in my future. And, and, and I believe him. And he's pushing me to get there. So it's a good thing. Nice. Yeah. And I love what you said about talking to your employees, actually spend time talking to them, get to know them, you know, because like I said, if you can figure out what it is they're after and help them get that, they're going to help you. Right. Well, I can tell you, there's so many times when people look back at us and go, wow, I've never been asked that question before. Like, you know, why are you here? Okay. (laughs) Let's get deeper into that. What do you want your future to look like? Let's get deeper into that. People don't ask that question because they're so stuck in, you know, me, boss, you employee, I have job, you need job. It's kind of caveman-like, you know what I mean? Exactly. And um, we need to get beyond that, especially in the day and age that we live in now, because, you know, there's, Harlan, there's probably 30 um, help wanted signs between the exit of the freeway and my office. And if you don't think those people are looking at those signs, they are. Oh, yeah, Absolutely. (laughs) Absolutely. But, and this leads right into the courage we talk about on the, on the podcast. A lot of, like you said, having conversations with employees, a lot of people think, oh, I have to have a conversation about attendance. Well, that's a conversation you've probably had a million times. They've probably had a conversation about their attendance. So it's almost scripted. You know what you're going to say. They know what they're going to say. And that's as far as it goes. When you start saying, why are you here? That opens it up. Who knows where this conversation is going to go? And that can be scary for some folks. You know, but uh, part of the courage we talk about is the um, intellectual courage, 
being able to set aside your long-held beliefs, the knowledge you already have to make room for brand new knowledge, um, emotional courage and empathetic courage to be able to set aside your emotions to make room for somebody else. Um, and social courage, saying what needs to be said, when it needs to be said, even if it's unpopular, right? Those are things that leaders have to tap into all the time. Um, we also talk about the courage. Where do you find the courage to walk away from that comfort zone of the nine to five to create your own success? Where do you find the courage to overcome the setbacks of um, divorce, bankruptcy, illness, failures? How about you? Where did you find the courage to branch out on your own and, and do your own thing? Where did that come well, from? Well, I look at it this way. You know, in, in the question you just asked me, you used the word courage about seven times, if I was counting right. Okay. And, and that's a great word. It's one of the characteristics that I have in the book. Um, of entrepreneurship. But I'll just, uh, the real simple answer to that is why are you being so courageous? Like what, what is the reason that you're having to sum up, you know, this, this courage? Okay. There, there's got to be a, a risk reward thing for you to do that yourself. So if you're not chasing something yourself, be it, you know, philanthropy or health or wealth building or, you know, your, your free time, your spontaneity, your peace, your comfort, peace, and freedom, which I, I talk about a lot in the book, then where's the source of the courage going to come from is my question. So I, I, I just, I, I love the word courage because you really can't draw courage with a pen and a piece of paper, but you can say courage to what? Courage to lead, courage to speak, courage to risk. Now you've got something that you can draw. Now you have something that you can visualize. So I always look at it as, you know, I, I've been on, I've talked to a lot of amazing people and, and I hear a lot that growth comes from being uncomfortable for a little bit. Mm -hmm. Okay. And, um, you know, so you have to answer your own why. why. Why am I going to sum up this courage? What do I, what do I get out of it? And, and again, it, it could be just, it can be just freedom. It can be just the ability to be peaceful or to to be um, spontaneous. I mean, how many how many entrepreneurs are allowed to be spontaneous anymore? Oh no, man, I'm working you know 70 hours a week, and I can't even think about just calling my mom and saying, "Hey, let's go out to lunch." You're gonna learn when you're in your late 50s that you better get going doing that stuff because time goes by fast. So I would say to anyone who wants to sum up courage, you know, what is the courage for? Answer that question and it'll make it a lot easier for you. Nice. Love that. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. If you know what it is you want and then you find what, what courage do I need to go forward to make that happen? Nice. Yeah. And, and, and the other thing is, again, you, you really have to, you really have to put your ego in a box for a minute. I mean, I, I say this all the time. If, if you took, if you took all of my, all of my people on my team, Okay, all 200 of us and put us in the parking lot and stood a shoulder to shoulder. Okay, I would not want you to pick me out of that, cr that crowd as the boss. I mean, I just wouldn't want that to happen yeah. because what does that, what does that say? It, it, you know, I would want to have so many awesome, talented people standing shoulder to shoulder with me that you could never pick me out as the boss or, or the owner, right? Yeah. If so, I've done my job. And I think that's the difference because there's some people who not only would want to put their people in front of them, but they would be want to be standing on a 10 foot ladder behind them. So everybody knew, well, that's the guy, or that's right. the girl, right? You got to let that go. And, and when you do, you're going to turn back around and go, well, but I'm afraid to let it go. 
it'll be better once you do this. I promise you that. You just have to have the courage or the reason or the why yeah. to go make that happen. Exactly. Yeah. And a lot of it is the the significance, the the feeling like they're they're needed, they're necessary. A lot of leaders don't want to give that away to people, but that's the only way that they're going to thrive. And it's the only way it's going to kind of give you that that freedom to to move and make decisions. When you have a list like we do, okay, we have these big black glass boards that are on our wall. And they kind of remind me of like, you know, like you're in front of a, a, a Mexican restaurant and they have the, the drink of the day special with the neon markers and all that, yep. and they draw pictures. Yep. Well, we're all about that. We have these goals everywhere that our people are chasing all over these, these boards so that other people can see it. On the left-hand side of it, we have all the goals that have been accomplished, and there's a hundred of them, okay? I bought my first house, or you know, I, I paid off my visa, or I learned another language, or I visited my mom in Ireland, or whatever it was, or my aunt, or whatever. When you look at that list, you know that the only way that happened was because someone decided to say, let's work, let's kill it, Let's create a life for ourselves as a team, as a group. Let's all do this together, okay? Yeah. And when you see that list of accomplishments that someone else did, now, I have people want to give me credit for that all the time. I had 3% to do with their success, okay? 3%. They, had, they did the work. They had the other 97%. But when you look at that list, man, that, that is your reason for breathing, okay? That is your reason for getting out of bed and risking and borrowing money and doing all these things that you have to do to be a business owner, you know, navigating the, the whitewater raft like we all do every day. But it really is the whole reason for doing it. At least it is for me. And I, I would say that for most people, if they let it go and they focus on creating that list of accomplishments versus telling you how to do something, right. your life is going to be so much better off for it. Absolutely. That is cool. Love that. That's a good visual too to have that up there. People come in and see that, and maybe it encourages them. Well, two that. things happen: either a, you'll hear a conversation of, "Hey, I see that you're like three months away from going to Ireland. That is so cool." You know, I mean, whatever. Um, or you'll see that goal hasn't moved at all in the last two three months. Maybe we should erase that one and put a real one back up. Mm, yeah. And there's this there's this sharing and almost this accountability. Okay. And um, it doesn't it doesn't hurt the fact that it's between the two most main bathrooms in the building, so that people see it two three times a day. Exactly. But it's it, it's cool though because everyone understands and kind of follows what everybody else is doing. And and um, once you put that goal up on the wall, man, you're going to have a, a few hundred people looking at it occasionally, and so you better be ready to make it happen. Absolutely, very cool. So tell me about your book, Blue Collar Cash. So. A long time ago, uh, it's, it's another one of those confluence of things that happened. So when my daughter was 12, she got pretty sick and, and she had um, something that she was suffering for, for, you know, it was a pretty scary four or five years for my, her, her mother and I. And, um, you know, that affords you a lot of time to be sitting around in hospital rooms or sitting around in waiting rooms and that kind of thing. And she's fine now, but it, it was tough to go through that whole process for her. And for us, you know, there's two victims whenever that happens. There's the actual person that has the illness, and then there's the family member that wish they could trade places with them, right? Yeah, exactly. So, you know, I started thinking about what's important and what would I be telling 
her about how to live her life, okay? And the words comfort, peace, and freedom just kept coming into my face, and I, I could not unsee them anywhere I was, almost like in a triangle because they're dependent upon each other, these three words. So I started writing thoughts down about that and turned into a very long letter to her. And then my wife said, you know, you do a lot of this coaching stuff around the building and it seems to work so well. Why don't you get that information beyond the four walls of your company? So then I started writing down stories of friends of mine who, are, who had overcome tremendous, tremendous challenges and are blue collar guys and gals and have been very successful. And then I thought about, well, you know, why are they successful? And they all have the same thing. They all have this Elon Musk-like vision of what they wanted their life to look like. And by the way, we all have that ability, okay? That's not reserved solely for, you know, I love it when people say, oh, you're an entrepreneur. Yeah, right. Draw that, okay? You can. It, it's, it's more like I just see things that I want for myself, and all of us have the ability to do it. I mean, we all know how to plan vacations, right? We're all really good at planning vacations, so why can't we plan the rest of our lives in the same format, right? So, yeah, I, I think all these things started to come together, and pretty soon, believe it or not, I had, I had 80,000 words written on 12 legal pads. And um, it's funny because I was on a plane one time, and I was writing feverishly, and the guy next to me says, what are you doing? And I said, I, I think I'm writing a book. And he goes, I know, but you're, you're, you're writing it. <laughs> you know, we have these things, the keyboards. And <laughs> I said, I know, but I, I typed three words. I have to erase two of them. So I mean, <laughs> yeah. it was easy for me to just write it all down. And then, you know, it just kind of went from there. I found an editor and, you know, I didn't think the book would go 10 feet, much less the 10 miles that it's gone. And it became a bestseller last fall. And I'm just so grateful and, and really, really blessed. Awesome. But now you have a program that people can get this book and help others, right? Talk about that. Yeah, you know, so have you ever seen someone that has like a bunch of books on their shelves and they read them all? And then, you know, you might ask him, well, what did that book do for you? Well, I don't know, but I read it, you know. <laughs> how, did you, how did you use anything in that book to change your life? Well, I really didn't, but I, I read it, you know, and it's, it's up there. It's, all, it's almost more like a trophy than it is anything else. And that's okay, that's fine. Um, so for me, I, you know, I had some of these books a long time ago, like Gung Ho and Who Moved My Cheese and, and, and books like The Seven Habits of Highly Effective People and, and, and those types of things, Traction. And those were the books that we had the most impact because we actually took them and used them as a, um, as a, uh, like a guide or, or like a book club for our company. And, and that was awesome. So, um, yeah, that's, that's kind of how uh, we set this course up, and it's simple. It's, it's, a, it's a $99 course, and if you buy one, you get one free, so you can donate it to somebody else. Nice. And uh, it's eight weeks, and trust me, when you're done using it, it will definitely change your life, no question. Nice. And that goes through your book? Is, is yeah, it goes through the whole book, page by, you know, chapter by chapter. It kind of tells you some activities to do. It shows you how to, how to visualize your life. It shows you how to do things that um, you can picture your future. And uh, it sets you on a course to getting those things done. So the people that have taken it, I've had 50 out of 50 people say, that was amazing. I'm looking at life all different now. And uh, so we're really excited about it. We hope, we hope a lot of people um, not only get it for themselves, but donate it to somebody else at the same time. That is awesome. And uh, that information on that course is all on your website, right? Yeah, you can go to KenRusk.com and you'll see the book and the course there. 
And, um, yeah, I just have to say that I've seen courses out there. I've been, I've, I've looked at a lot of these things and I've seen courses for 300, 500, 2000. I mean, no, this is all about getting this, this information out. My goal, having been a successful entrepreneur, okay, whatever that means, um, my goal now is to really shorten the learning curve for other people that want to do that and, and, and follow in that path. So, um, my world was really good before I wrote this book. And so um, this is just another way for me to give back. And um, I donate most of the proceeds from my book to charity anyway. So uh, it, just to, again, know that if you decide to help yourself, you'll be helping someone else in the process. And that's always a cool thing. Excellent. Very cool. Blue Collar Cash, love your work, secure your future and find happiness for life. Love it. Very cool. So what's next for you? Well, I have a lot of goals. I mean, I, I have another another home headquarters to build for our company because it's growing. And I, I thought I was done doing that, but I see that we need to do that again. And, um, you know, I'm, I'm bringing other people into uh, the company to help manage it and help run it, which is a lot of fun because, again, there's more growth that way. Um, you know, I, I still like, uh, I still like uh, trying to make my handicap go down on the golf course, which is really, really tough to do. And um, just be a good, a good husband and a good dad. So uh, those, those are pretty big goals for us. Those are big goals. Good job. Well, Ken, this has been awesome. I really appreciate the time you've been with us and stuff. Um, I will have links to your website and to your course and everything like that in the show notes. So people know how to get in touch with you. You're also active on LinkedIn. Is that correct? Yeah, all the socials are, they're all titled at Ken Rusk official. So you can find me anywhere on any of those. Uh, those tabs. Um, that's, you know, I, I, somebody has to help me do that because I didn't grow up in that world, but uh, yeah, they've, they've, uh, they've, we've got some pretty great information out there and it's, it's a lot of fun to share. Excellent. And are you hiring people right now? Absolutely. Okay. Yeah, always. Right. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it, 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 well, first off, you're always looking for that ex, that next great person, that next great manager or whatever. And, um, we just have, you know, the company grows and it necessitates having more people. And it's just fun because that lets us find someone else that we can help develop their life and see beyond Friday. Yeah. Um, and uh, that's that's kind of what we're all about. Nice. Very cool. All right, Ken, again, thanks again for being on the podcast. Really appreciate the conversation. Love this topic. I definitely think people should consider the trades uh, before they go out and spend, you know, a lot of money on college. Yes, college is important, but you can also work put yourself through college, earn some great money and, and get those skills. Thanks for having me, coach. I appreciate it. Absolutely. It's been fun. All right, listeners, hope you guys are taking a lot of notes, a lot of good information here. Um, all these links will be in the show notes. So you'll be able to get in touch with Ken and follow him and, and uh, join his, his course, take his course. Um, share this episode with your family, friends, colleagues, leave me a review because those are important and uh, stick around because there's always more coming. That's it for me, Coach Harlan Singh. So long for now.